0: Today we have with us a wonderful special guest on this special episode of the CrickBlog podcast. You may have seen her wonderful reactions on YouTube or follow her on Twitter. She's a great advocate for women's sport and writes for One Football, Women's Creek Zone, and The Bridge India as well. She's also the founder of She Talks Ball and she's none other than Radha Gupta. Radha, thank you so much for joining us on the CrickBlog podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That's a pleasure.
2: So Radha, it's so good to have you welcome on the podcast and the very first question that we ask our guests is how did your love start with the sport how did how did you fall in love with the game with cricket in particular because we know you follow a lot of sports but today we want to focus on women's cricket and cricket so how did that journey start for you
1: i think for me it was twofold um the way i recall my journey with cricket is just being a little kid in India, you tend to have cricket around you, you know, you'd go down to the street and there'd be people playing, you'd go down to the field and there'd be a bunch of boys there usually. And I was the very sporty kind of kid. I wouldn't sit at home and read a book. I'd be down. If they were playing football, I was playing football. If they were playing Kabaddi, which is like a quite an aggressive sport. I was like, you know, I'm in. They'd be like, no, you'd get hurt. I'm like, no worries. You might get hurt, but I'm definitely playing. So, Cricket was very similar. I joined a bunch of boys in my colony and I said, let me play. And I just learned along the way, very young age. And um, I just loved it like I loved any other sport, right? It wasn't exceptional. I didn't stay up late watching matches. I actually watched more football and less cricket. And I would play much more cricket to a point where I would buy the stumps and the ball and the bat. And then I'd go down and you know set up the field, wait for everyone to join. I'd be one of the captains and we'd have like a great long session of cricket. And that's really how it took off till I was about maybe 12 or 13. And I just, you know, started, it started growing like, and then in 2017, which is where my second phase sort of begins is I saw the Indian women play in that ODI World Cup. And I said, Oh my God, I was 17 years old. So I'm like, people like me who talk like me, look like me are playing at the highest level. I cannot believe that. It, it's, so, it's almost embarrassing or it's shocking to think that I didn't even know that Indian women played cricket because I didn't see it in the papers. Nobody in school talked about it. And that's when it struck me. That's when my love really kicked in because I was like, this is awesome. People representing not just my country, but me, um, you know as young girls and women in this country who love the sport and want to play the sport. So yeah, that was when I was completely invested. I started following them. I'd keep a track of the papers to see the articles growing from a small box into half a page. Um, and yeah, that's really, you know, my story with cricket and it's sort of just on the rise. I don't think there's a point where my love will peak. I think it just keeps going as it does for a lot of us.
2: Yeah. And, and, and it's pretty evident your passion and love for the game from the way you speak about it. Um, but just going further from that, which was that one moment, which really sealed your love, you can call it like that, you know. phrase it like that if you want for the game like is there one moment that you can pinpoint is it the 2017 world cup like you spoke about or is there something else
1: yeah it was the 171 not out by harmanpreet Kaur, only because up till then india was sort of riding along in the group shabelle please close
0: your ears (laughs) against australia i I cop, I cop exactly. enough on this podcast anyway, so it's
1: all good. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that was the thing, right? Australia were the big giants. They still yeah. are. And I said, yeah. India have, like, you know, they've done well in the group stage and they've made it to a semi-final. I think that's a win enough from what I knew, right? We hadn't made it to a final in so long. Yeah. We had barely had any coverage in the country. I was like, they're not really getting past this stage, are they? And then we kind of had a little bit of an upset towards the, the early part of our batting innings. And then Harman comes in and does some does the unthinkable. I don't think Australia were prepared for it. I don't think India were prepared for it. I think up till date, a lot of people still almost don't believe it. And I, I, I know it's such a huge innings because even today, if you ask anyone from that Australian team, you know, what's something you would go back to your career and change or maybe want to be on the opposite side of. And they say it's that match. We wanted to be in the final of the 2017 ODI World Cup. And that tells you what impact that Harman innings had. And that's when it really hit me that this team is special from that point on the feeling of indian women's cricket in india changed it completely changed we could Definitely. see it on the streets in the papers on the on the television it was incredible so i had to pinpoint one innings it was just me sitting on my bed watching that not thinking anything was going to happen and then see that unfold and just not end like it went to 50 100 150 i said stop like yeah. poor, poor australia <laughs> give them a break but yeah that, that would be uh, the moment that day was yeah. really
2: special. And, uh, honestly I, I at no point did I feel poor Australia because I have <laughs> I know what Australia women's team have done to many teams over the past few years and and, and, and uh, what they yeah. continue
0: to do by the way exactly ex- exactly do. exactly
2: and um, yeah as you said that to me as well as an indian watching with my mom next to me back in india that was per- that was one particular innings that i can pinpoint that really changed the whole um, scene of women's cricket in india Mm. like it just flipped overnight and that was such a brilliant thing to see as a cricket fan that was such a brilliant thing to see and um so it the next question i want to ask you is that 2017 tournament was do you think that was the game-changing tournament for indian women's cricket team or going back was there was it you know just one particular player that you can pinpoint, maybe Mithali Raj's career or even Anjum Chopra going back, in, you know, really back. Uh, was it those careers or was it that tournament?
1: I think it's hard to separate them only because Mithali Raj and Anjum Chopra and everyone that's come before have been through hardships to an yeah. extent where the current and present players don't have to go through the same things. I think the present players will never have such big gaps in their career with, without any matches. So there mm. is a big part of me that says, the players that paved the way, credit to them. Contributions are, you know, starting from 1999 and before, but I think when it comes to myself, my personal journey and for India, the masses, I think 2017 was a turning point only because after the 2017 World Cup, people would go on YouTube and listen to Mithali Raj's story going back to 1999 or listen to an interview with Smithy Mandana to hear how she came out of a small town named Sangli in Maharashtra, right? And that wouldn't happen with just one batter doing really well in one series. It had to take place at this massive level. So I'm really grateful that Indian women were able to do everything despite the hardships, despite the system, made it to the top, almost victory, you know, eight or nine runs short. But that event changed the face and the way young girls and boys look at Indian women in cricket, young girls in cricket. And I think now if a girl goes onto the field with, you know, a bag with stumps and a and ball, she will sort of be included much more because yep. the boys have seen the women on TV as well. Right. So that event was a game changer.
0: And speaking of, of women participation, um, it'd be great to get your opinion as well on maybe what the BCCI can do more for women's cricket, because I believe they can still do a lot more in that area to grow the game. Because you see, you know, more England cricketers are getting paid. Australia continues to lead the curve with competitions like the the Women's National Cricket League. You know, what's your take on the BCCI's approach to women's cricket, and what 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 are some things they can do, in your opinion, to fast track its growth?
1: Yeah, I think it's a I have kind of you know. Step. Well, you can, you can
2: open that can of worms. You can yes. open that oh, can right. of worms. That's no the big topics.
1: <laughs> the first word is frustration. Yeah, having followed them just for four four and a half years now, right? And the fact that before that I didn't even know they existed was because of lack of coverage. Yeah. It seems to be women's cricket is sort of an afterthought in their books, which is ridiculous. You look at the mm. last five years and the women have been in more finals than the men have. They've arguably done much better than the men when it when you come to global tournaments. And to think that when they you know to think that when COVID hit, women's cricket was the first thing to be cancelled and just thrown out of the window. And yeah. that again really gets on my nerves. It gets on the nerves of people who put everything into supporting these women. Mm -hmm. And the fact that these women do everything that they do despite the system and despite lack of matches, lack of domestic cricket, lack of facilities, lack of support, is what makes them such big superheroes and role models. But I really hope there comes a day where they do this with the support behind them, right? With money behind them, with broadcasting, sponsorship, viewership, all that kind of stuff. And I think, simply put, what BCCI can do is do what you do for the men, right? Don't expect revenue without any input. Put in the input, put yeah. in the time and the effort. Yeah. You will get returns, right? You've got returns without all of that. You'll surely get returns with that. And I think that's why BCCI, as an organization that has multiple teams under them, that's where they have to do. It's it's as simple as that. Is that you know if you're sending your men through chartered flight, send your women through chartered flight. And we saw that for the first time when India. Men and women went to England recently and I said this is a great opportunity for me to see what kind of content comes out of this because they both are flying at the same time, they're flying together and there was so much training footage of the men, there was so much, you know, uh, I think Uzi Chahal on the flight talking to people like he usually does, not too much for the women Mm -hmm. and if you don't market the women, you're not going to get that much viewership back in. So yep. that was a big contrast. We reached England and the women dived straight into a test match after seven years. No warm-up games, no practice match. So again, it just seems to be that, oh, you wanted a test match? You know, here you go. It's sort of at like... Same time, at happy. the same time
0: as the World Test Championship final as well, right? Can you believe it? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe it because if I had to predict BCCI to do something that silly, it would yep. be absolutely what they do. It's, I mean... Yep. The World Test Championship final, the first day was rained out, and I was celebrating because I was like, "People who tuned into the, the <laughs> cricket match are going to shift channels and watch the women, right?" And we had like a really sort of upsetting game in the men's side of things, but people remember that women's test match, and people remember that Sneh Rana, 80 not out, towards the dying moments of the fourth day. So I think. Simple things like not overlapping matches. You you cannot expect viewership if you're going to divert it. You know, the Indian masses can, would like to support one team at a time. So simple things like that going forward is what I hope to see. Do you think I'll see it? I don't think so. We've seen two test matches this year after seven years of nothing, which is a mm. good start. Again, I hope that it continues because if it doesn't, then it's clear that this was an exhibition test match. You want this, take it, you know, get off our cases now. And that's what I don't want. I want clear sort of talk and progress about the women's IPL, something that has yeah. clearly helped the the Australian women, it's clearly helped the English women. We have South Africa with their own domestic T20 league as well. Surely yeah. India, the biggest, richest board has to do something. And I think what I wanna see is not just the start, but the continuation. That's what's more important for me.
2: And is that is that why do you think there's a lack of women's test matches is, is the fact that BCCI are not um, taking it and running with it. Because a lot of times, especially in men's cricket, over the last few years, over the last couple of decades, really BCCI has been the power that has dr- driven that change in whatever you want to call it, positive or negative is uh, another matter of debate. But uh, that change in men's cricket where they have shown that cricket is a, a billion-dollar business, is that what – What's lacking? Because if, let's say, tomorrow BCCI says, okay, we are going to have 10 test matches, women's test matches in a year, do you think other boards will follow?
1: I think if the BCCI wants to do something, they can do it. That is the impression that I have just because they have the resources. They're so rich. They have everything required. All they need is the intent. And that is, you know, surprisingly, the biggest factor that's needed. You can have money, you can have authority, you can have anything in the world, but if you don't want to do it, you're not gonna do it, right? And it, it's their team, it's their women's team that suffers. So I think tomorrow saying, okay, 2022, we're gonna have 10 test matches is again, a f- two sides of the coin because they haven't had test matches for so long. So you kind of have to ease the team in, yeah. but at the same time, you can't just say, okay, you don't want test matches and we won't have any. So again, it's a yeah. fine balance between understanding your team, understanding what they require. And surely if you say we're gonna have four test matches, you know, spaced out in 365 days, that's a, that's a thing that the Indian women can easily do. You get one test match versus four nations surely south africa will jump on board west indies will come on board have one versus pakistan that will be really special right so i think that moderate moderation is key we've had a very large extent of nothing and if they suddenly put everything into it it'll just look like oh you wanted this take it now run with it if india lose five test matches they'll be like we gave you test matches you can't play we're not going to give you any more So it's a case of training them to play test matches and then easing them into the process, the way England and Australia have been doing. And I think that's where we build from.
2: Yeah. That's actually a really good point. Like, uh, you have to find the perfect balance, like you said, Mm. and you know, not, not too much and not too little. There's a fine line between finding the perfect balance. So, um, but yeah, so moving on to the positive side of things now, which not, you don't have to stick to cricket, uh, but which women have, uh, really inspired you to, you know, take up women's sport or follow women's sport or just inspire you in your day-to-day life?
1: So I will name a few, but before that, I would just like to kind of address the entire women's sports and women's cricket community as a whole is that one thing I've noticed in women's sports or in women's cricket, especially is that the athletes are very accessible to fans. We don't often see that with the men, is that I went, um, in fact, on this day of recording two years ago, I was in Canterbury watching the England versus Australia Ashes tour. And one of the ODIs there where Elise Perry took seven wickets, you know, historic run she had. That match, you know, ended almost before I got there just because it was <laughs> such a quick um, yeah. massacre yeah. there. But I think I reached there and I said, you know, I've got this train back. Should I stay around the boundary rope? Do I think they'll come? And each one of them, they went, they had a sip of water, and they came out, they signed all the caps, all the baths, they chatted with people, they took photos. They spent a good 45 minutes after an exhausting day of cricket to talk to the fans. And I believe that would not be the case in men's cricket. I've seen this with women's football as well. So that is one thing that I really respect and admire all the athletes for. And I do hope that there comes a day where they earn as much as the men, they get as much recognition as the men. But this shouldn't change. Right. I hope that however big they get, they still stay humble. They still interact with the people who come to watch them play and who they play for to an extent. So that was, I think, very special. But coming to a few athletes, I have to start with Elise Perry, someone who's been on the scene forever. The only person on the planet to represent her country at a FIFA Women's World Cup and a a Cricket World Cup. My two worlds have sort of collided there. She has been someone that my sister and I talk about almost every day. Um, I think definitely. She is paving the way for young girls in sport in general. Another one from India has to be Mithali Raj. I mean, I can just go on and on. She has broken a couple of records in the recent ODI series. Recent, yeah. She's regained number one ODI batter position after 16 years at the age of 38. It, the list goes on, but I think her biggest contribution to Indian cricket and global cricket will be that whatever she, she went through from the age of 16 to whenever she retires, a lot of future cricketers won't go through that. They won't go through large spells of no cricket. To maintain your fitness throughout all that time, to, you know, she was never an injury prone cricketer. To to have that kind of drive, her and julian as well, are names that we will talk to our kids about, right? They're names that will be in the hall of fame of BCCI or Indian cricket or global cricket. It's just, yeah. they're those kind of personalities. So I definitely have to um, give the, those two a shout out. I think another one is Megan Shute from Australia young, um, young, you know, relatively younger to Mitha Ali, someone who's quite active on social media. So it's easy for us to connect with her in terms of fans. We see what she's up to, very vocal about um, issues that she believes in. Again, one thing that I've noticed in women's sports or women's cricket that is not so much there in men's sports or men's cricket is that they talk about issues off the field as well. They're not just athletes, but they're people. And if they believe in something, they will, they will advocate for it. And I love that because you can use your platform as a famous cricketer to advocate for what you believe in and for her to um, openly talk about same-sex relationships and how it is just normal you know love is love equality it's it's something that if you talk about it gets normalized for a, a country like india where it's still a bit of a taboo it's very good to see conversations stirred up there because it just means that you know we can talk to our families about that and people read about it in the papers so i think for that reason Alyssa Healy and Megan Shoot are two big ones. And we've seen a lot of out LGBT athletes, which again makes the space a very inclusive one for young girls to enter cricket. They know that it's an inclusive, diverse space, which I again think is a very, very big factor in women's sports, which is still missing in the highest level of men's sports, which I hope is rectified very soon because that will just open the doors to new possibilities. So, yeah. Those are a few people. I could go on and on, but yeah, yeah here's a shout-out to a few. Any, any non-cricketers?
0: You speak very well. So I was, I was wondering if there's a broadcaster or a commentator um, from in the women's, you know, a women's broadcaster or commentator that you look up to?
1: It's got to be Lisa Stalaker.
0: Um yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, just her story coming out of India. I've spoken to her. Actually, I was on a panel with her a few months ago. She's just the perfect mix of knowledgeable and fun and approachable and you know quirky but also like you know will be serious and spit the facts and commentary when she has to someone that i really enjoy listening to and yeah i always make it a point to kind of go to crick bars and watch her videos and interact with her on twitter because i think she's someone that i look up to not just as a cricketer but in the space of normalizing women in punditry or in the commentary box or as broadcasters on the field i think that's a space where again it's very male dominated as of now I think in cricket, it's still opening up to um, more women. And I, you know, I hope that as the years go by, we see more and more representation.
0: Yeah, so it was great to see someone like Isha Gua rated as one of the top commentators in the world, men and women. So I think you're seeing a lot more of that awareness, um, you know, for women's talent, both on the field and off the field, which is fantastic. Um, As you mentioned, Radha, it's been about maybe five or so years since you started watching and following women's cricket. Um, how would you compare it now compared to then? You know, where, where do you see going in the next five years? Who will be the, the players that inspire you over the coming years?
1: I'm sorry, I missed the last bit of that question.
0: So who do you think will be the players now, the young players coming through that, that could inspire you in the next few years?
2: And also, how do you see the phase of women's cricket changing in the next five years? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think... The first name that comes to my mind is Shefali Verma yeah. and uh, Jemmy Rodrigues. A lot of players from India who we've seen so much more on social media now. I think that, you know, in this distant sort of age that we are in, the only way to connect and learn about people is through the internet. And we've seen them step up their game in terms of accessibility, in, in terms of being a role model, even when they're not playing matches. They're still, you know, doing fitness routines or, I mean, it's, it's, on a personal note, it's great to see sponsorships roll into the Indian women's team. It's, yeah. a, it's a big mode of revenue for the men. And I'm glad to see that it's become one for the women as well. I think in terms of what the face of women's cricket is gonna look like in the coming years, it's only gonna get more accessible. It's only gonna get more inclusive from here. I'm hoping it gets more viewership. I think that will come from intent, It will come from scheduling more matches, scheduling them at the correct times um having correct marketing broadcasting all of that is linked it's like this big snowball that you do one thing it'll link to the other and it'll start this wheel and it'll start spinning so on the bigger mark market front i'd like to see more thought process and time sweat energy blood everything put into marketing these women well and as we've seen before they have the game to show for it right yeah. you're gonna put 84 84 000 people in a stadium you're gonna get What you got in that World Cup final was, um, you know, Australia, absolutely. And to have Katy Perry there, again, that is the kind of intent that we require, right? That is the kind of cross-pollination that you require. We should not be this one cricketing bubble and just, like, forget the world because that's not how you attract new fans. Again, with the 100, they're doing a lot of things to make it more accessible and very consciously doing, you know, flipping certain rules and making certain transitions to get new fans in where they've kind of removed the word wicket and only using outs means that a person who doesn't follow cricket still knows what out means. And, you know, you have matches that don't exceed two and a half hours, which means that a person who could sit for a football match can now sit for a cricket match as well. Having the men's and the women's teams' tournaments run side by side, having, you know, one franchise with two teams, it's special. And I'm really hoping that this tournament is a success because what I see in the future is a lot more of the hundred maybe at an international scale, where the Indian men and women travel together, play the same team. You know, one day there's a men's match, the second day there's a women's match, and we have both on the same channel, you know, things like that. I'd love to see a lot more parity, which is what's missing here. And as soon as we have that parity, everything will come with it. We'll have more viewership, we'll have more coverage, we'll have more conversation, and eventually more tickets sold when we play in India, more money going in and coming out of the system, which again will be a win-win for all.
2: And and just to further your point about what Cricket Australia did with the uh, 2020 World Cup last year, it was absolutely, not to make you both jealous, but I was there in the stadium on the day with my mom and my wife, and it was absolutely brilliant. The environment was, you know, gifting my mom and my wife uh, on Women's Day, the tickets to the women's final was absolutely brilliant, and they enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was sad to end up on the wrong side of the, of the match. Yes. But what even that just, you know, experiencing back in India where, you know, my cousins, my family was experiencing that women playing at the MCG,
1: Mm. you know, uh,
2: uh, in front of 84,000 people, it was just a brilliant atmosphere and all credit to Cricket Australia, the way they promoted that, the way they marketed that, the way they arranged that, organized that, you know, it was absolutely brilliant.
0: What that told me as well is that there's a demand for it. There's yes, a desire oh, for, it, for it. There's a, you know, there's yep. a demand for it. There's a, you know, an appetite for it from the, from the community, from the public. So your points, Radhar, about better marketing, more exposure is just spot on. There's the definitely. demand there, but if you can tap into yep. that, it just it opens up a world of opportunity, it really One does.
2: One thing I've realized that the the larger population, if you show them co- good quality sp- uh you know athletes and cricket they will follow it doesn't matter who's playing you know if, if it's good they'll follow it they'll enjoy it so that's what that's what i think BCCI has missed the trick where you know they they have so much uh talent in front of them they oh, just yeah. have to showcase that showcase that to the vast population and you know the game will take care of itself
0: yeah absolutely agree I'm um, looking forward a little bit um closer in terms of the future the 2022 ODI World Cup. I don't know if you've had a chance to think about that a little bit, right? Huh? Who do you think Who do you think is the favorites? Is <laughs> we'll do a fun thing. Who do you think will win and why is it Australia? We'll do a fun thing.
2: In three seconds, just tell us your prediction. In three seconds. Just say Australian, you know, we can be good friends. That's it. Quick. It, it, we, we'll, we'll do one thing. First, you tell us who you want to win and then who do you think will win? So... Firstly, who, who do you want to win? <laughs> India. Yeah. Definitely. And who do you think will win? Uh, you can say India again.
1: England.
0: Who'll
2: be call. That's a big call. That's a big yeah. call. And so, I, I did say that in our last episode as well, that because of Sophia Dunkley's and, you know, all these players coming through, they have a big, big chance now. They do.
0: Rada, what do you think England will win it over someone like Australia next year? Why is it the end of Australia's run?
1: I think on their day, you know, Australia have like years and years and months and months of really great cricket. But I think when there's a little bit of a void that's created in terms of when India had a little bit of a void or England has a little bit of a void, when they come back, they come back a little bit stronger. And I think for England at this point, having watched them in the ODI series, they're not worried about their 11 or even 15 on the sheet. They're worried about who's going to be 16, 17, 18, which means that they've got enough players and they're now accounting for injury and accounting for other things like that, which a lot of teams are still struggling to like, we're still struggling to find our 11. And I agree that Australia, again, knows their 11 probably, knows their 13 or 14, but I think England are coming into a groove at the right time, whereas Australia might be wondering which bowler can play well at what point. And I might even you know change my prediction after the Australia series in September. But as of this moment, I think that the pace at which England is going at it seems like they're gonna peak at the right time.
0: Agreed. They've got some wonderful uh, batters as well. You talk about their bowlers, but like someone like Tammy Beaumont we were talking about on a yeah. podcast a couple of weeks ago. Her timing and her batting is just unreal. So. It's, it's good, good, it's to, good see. to have we this are on the same
2: page. It, I, I, I predict England as well, so it's good to see you're oh, on the same okay. page. Of course,
0: you are going to be okay. against Australia, Nash. Of course, you are. The,
2: <laughs> I love, I love Australian women's team. I absolutely oh, love good. them. But just based
0: on you know what's going on with England cricket, I think England will win it. It would be awesome, and that, that's the great thing to have these discussions on a women's World Cup like this, and to see that there's going to be a few teams that you know have a chance and that could challenge Australia. You know, Australia, I don't think will have it all yeah. their own way. So. Some very good points there. Um, Now onto your little project, Radha, or your little brand that you've created. It's a a ripper. Um, I had a bit of a look um, at your YouTube channel, which is very impressive. I watched your YouTube video about the three reasons why you started She Talks Ball. Um, But to give our viewers and our listeners some insight, tell us today about what inspired you to start such a brilliant platform that is She Talks Ball.
1: Yeah, so I started Ball in December of 2020, so it's just about six months old, and what kind of pushed me to start this was a year of sitting at home in lockdown, not having too much sport to watch, but even when there was sport, there was not much coverage about it. And I said, I'm sitting at home, usually I'd be in college playing maybe three hours of football every evening, but why don't I channel that time and energy into something that could maybe snowball into a little bit bigger, Maybe. The next time India play, it won't just be me and two friends, but it'll be me and 10 other people. And then the next time will be 25 other people. So I started She Talks Ball with the aim of three C's, as I like to call it, coverage, content and conversation. It's three simple things that anybody can can do sitting at home. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have power, authority, anything like that. You just need to have the passion and sports fans usually have that already. So it's as simple as a tweet that, hey, the Indian women play tonight at 8.30 p.m., watch them. Or a blog, if you like writing, or a podcast recording like we're doing right now. And things like that can really increase the coverage, which increases the demand. That is my bigger goal, is to get more eyeballs driven towards the women's game. Because when there's more demand, then the people higher up are looking and they're noticing that, oh, you know, last time we had 100 people watching, now it's 5,000. And yeah. we should maybe get a sponsor. Maybe we should put this on the television instead of having to find a stream on Google. right? And I think that is what I want to do. And I've realized that I can do it simply sitting at home with this platform that is SheTalksBall. Yeah. I like to create accessible content. So I do, I've done something new right now. I've created a few reaction videos to the mm-hmm. highlights of the England versus India cricket ODI series, right? which means that if someone didn't sit through eight hours of an ODI, they could sit through 10 minutes of a video watch the highlights also get you know my weird quirky opinions on it and know what's up in that cricketing world and in that space right now so if i can condense 8 hours into 10 minutes and yeah. feed it to someone as content and they gobble it up i know that they're listening and that's again uh, what i aim to do with she talks ball
2: that's your, perfect your that's weird, perfect for just, wife just, because just she just 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 to put cricket. something <laughs> just to put something positive your qu- weird quirky comments are still better than sanjay manjrekar so <laughs> Real credit <laughs> to yeah, very, very good.
0: Yes, I think my wife would really enjoy those 10 minute clips rather than the eight hours because right. it's too long for her. But brilliant, brilliant idea. And where can fans find you? So you, you're on Twitter, you're on YouTube. What are the usernames that, that fans can find you on?
1: Yeah, so it's as simple as She Talks Ball on Instagram, on Twitter, and on YouTube um if you like football content i'm also on one football create a few um you know video content for them as well but yeah it's very simple she talks ball and i love engaging with new people who watch the game follow it or want to get into it as well i'm always up for you know chatting because i believe you kind of have to include new people and give them a little push and when that happens they'll be invested so yeah hit me up sorry Shabel, she's a chelsea
2: fan just to put it on there she's a chelsea fan i'm not gonna say who i support I'm not going to say who I support. Oh, you gave it away. I, I will say, I will say, he, he's an Arsenal fan. So, course, um, yes,
1: <laughs> feel
0: sorry for you. But anyway, no, don't kick me when I'm down. <laughs> yeah. They're terrible. But yeah, Chelsea winning the Champions League and Arsenal down in mid table. So, anyway, yeah. we're here to talk about cricket. Yeah. So, no, fantastic stuff. And um, so, to our listeners, yeah, make sure you go check out the content. It's very good. Um, I had the privilege to check it out, and um, I really recommend that you do um Nash if there was nothing else from you I think we could wrap this up yeah so good
2: thank you so much Radha for uh joining us today it was a lovely chat with such a passionate fan as you, as yourself it
0: was that was terrific thank
1: you yeah thank you for having me this was really fun